and another episode <laughs> totally planned out we have planned out every single word colton and i are not busy um we don't have other things we do other than this podcast uh, i'm lying to you about that right now but yeah we planned out every little detail it's great we're just basically the most prepared people i have ever met always um, so here we are. So Ryan, uh, quick question: What is your uh, uh, philosophy on carbohydrates? <laughs> yeah. my, right now, my philosophy the, on carbohydrates the, the, is the people want to know. The people want to know. It's true. I love carbs, um, but I like complex carbs more than simple carbs. So I just choose where I'm going to get my carbs. Complex carbs have a backstory, but simple yeah. carbs, they're just bland. Yeah, simple carbs are just like. Enneagram sevens. They just hop in, hop out. You're like, man, that was really fun. That was really sweet. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I, all right, I feel see like you later. Kind of a shot. And then <laughs> complex carbs are your Enneagram fours. Where you're like, okay, I guess I'll emotionally get healthier after digesting you. And it's going to take a lot of calorie expenditure, yeah. but there's fiber. So, okay, then, it's then be great. what am I though? So I, I like all <laughs> bread. <laughs> You are. <laughs> I exclusively you? only eat bread. We were had a Fourth of July thing, and we had tacos. And mm. I, I had like three taco things where it's actually a burrito because sure. it's sure. bigger tortillas. Right. And then I just ate four more tortillas. No, nothing else though. <laughs> so eights are just calorie expenditure, no matter what. It, it doesn't true. matter if it's simple or complex. It's just get the calories. So yeah. that's my. There you go. So Enneagram, I was carbs. as a as a as a bread lover, Italian lover, mm. I was averaging about seven tortillas per day, mm. as well as twenty thousand steps per day. So, <laughs> so you just canceled it out. Exactly, you just walk it off. Yeah, uh, it works out great. Let's go. Well, speaking of white bread, Ryan, um, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about white Jesus, black Jesus, in mm-hmm. representation. So, Ryan, when I say the words white Jesus, what what comes to mind? <laughs> uh, definitely uh, Lecrae comes to mind because uh, he's talking about uh, <laughs> white Jesus with those uh, with that perm and those thin lips. Uh, and so I just think about uh, out here in Mesa, Arizona is very. Doesn't propaganda latter- also talk about him and, and say like Jesus? Jesus ain't like those paintings. Yeah. That was just Michelangelo's boyfriend. Ooh, yeah, that was just Michelangelo's <laughs> boyfriend. That's straight out of the album Excellent with Precious Puritans, I think. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's in Precious Puritans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, white Jesus to me, that's what he looks like. He's got the long hair and the beard. And and to me, it's like, that's very LDS out here in Mesa, Arizona, you know, the Southwest um, Latter Day Church of Latter-day Saints, Jesus Christ. They use that representation often. Um, they really got white Jesus. Yeah, like, I mean, like the old Protestant church probably did too, but like yeah. at least we've kind of adjusted. <laughs> yeah, Mormons are just like, eff it. They're just like, like yo, white fair Jesus skin. with a white lamb. I'm like, dog, <laughs> your white Jesus wouldn't like be able to survive without melanoma back in like his actual. Like, hey, he Jerusalem. only lived to like 33 anyway, so we would have never known. Gang, gang, you're right. Anyways, so yeah, that's what I when I hear that, I'm like, okay, white Jesus. And, uh, you know, it, to me growing up, I was like, okay, that's your representation of Jesus. I never had an issue with white Jesus because I always intuitively knew, um, that's not what he looked like. 
Uh, so when I say yeah. it didn't have an issue, that doesn't mean it didn't bother me. It just was like, I always knew, okay, there's no way Jesus actually looked like that. Like, I never assumed, yeah, like other white kids maybe, assumed like, I'm white, <laughs> we dominate the, um, like, the national political like image of what is pure good holy like i never that never did it for me uh, i always knew man middle eastern you know my mom would be like jesus is black i'm like all right maybe mom uh, i think there's some <laughs> precedent there uh, just because israel is very mixed up all the way back sounds to like your Ephraim mom was Manasseh. into some james cone uh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but uh yeah dude i never got i never got too bothered by it uh, but yeah. it definitely was something that um I was always like, okay, whatever, dude. We know that's not the truth. See, so a fun practice I like to do, Ryan, at social functions and gatherings is I like to ask people to close their eyes <laughs> and then imagine <laughs> blank. Uh, sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. this could go many ways, but I'll say close your eyes. And sure. listeners do this right now. Close your eyes and imagine a doctor. <laughs> what, is, what do they look like? Or maybe I should say, what does he look like? Because uh, you probably already pictured a male. Or she, um, bro. What, wow. What shade of white is he? Mm. Um, picture a professor. Picture an uh, astronaut. Uh, picture a pastor. <laughs> that actually pastor. might be controversial because for some, only men can be those. Um, but anyway. For some. That kind of, I think, helps give a precursor to representation, whether it's in art, like White Jesus, or whether it's in just general leadership on how that subconsciously informs how we ascribe um, race and gender to leadership. And this, you know, this shows up in, in my life. I went to a, a certain university that shall not be named other than by naming it Biola University. Um, and we had a big white Jesus <laughs> right on campus. Dude, I remember big white Jesus. Big white Jesus. He looks like Steve Carell um, from Evan Almighty. Or is it Bruce Almighty? No, Evan Almighty. Um, so that that was fun. Um, we always called him white Jesus, though. So we like, Correct. this is white Jesus. Yeah. Um, so I, I never had the, I don't think, I, I probably landed it similar to you, Ryan, but it was still subconsciously there, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. Like I intuitively knew this isn't what Jesus looked like. But I couldn't picture anything else. <laughs> sure, sure. Like, I couldn't relate to a non-white Jesus. If that, that makes sense. sense. Yeah, no, that um, does. So, Ryan, recently, uh, this isn't like that recent history, um, but recently in the last year, Sean King, uh, which we are both uh, neutral on, <laughs> uh, yeah. Sean King called for uh, white statues of Jesus to be taken down. Um, this was like while everyone else was calling for Confederate statues to be taken down. Mm-hmm. Ryan, do you have any thoughts about that? Should uh, white statues of Jesus uh, be taken down from any and all places <laughs> in America? <laughs> Again, uh, so for those of you listening, I'm asking Ryan questions on the fly. <laughs> white <laughs> statues no of Jesus, bro. I mean, statues of Jesus probably shouldn't even be up in the first place in my mind. Hey, uh, you got some Eastern Eastern Church friends that would disagree. I, that's true. The icon and the imaging. And okay, there's an argument for that. I just read this in the spirit of early Christian thought. Um, that it's there's there's some definite veneration that is okay uh, for our larger ecclesiological traditions. But uh, dude, I think um, <laughs> I think it's weird. Uh, I think. <laughs> I think you should take down Confederate statues. 
And so if you're <laughs> hey, gonna, hey, 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 gonna Ryan, that's a different episode. <laughs> oh my bad, my bad. If you're gonna if you're gonna appropriate uh, Jesus as like white and make him a statue, I I don't know if there needs to be a systematic undertaking of like all of them need to go, but I don't think it's helpful uh, ultimately for followers of Jesus, especially in this current age, uh, especially with all the ails of evangelicalism and all of the deconstruction taking place. I just don't see how this how this helps the conversation of faith yeah. and how this helps with the reality of the multi-ethnic expression of uh, followers of Jesus across the, the global and local spectrum. I'm like, that's not helpful to me. Uh, so take them down if, if you want to. Uh, I don't think we have to force people to take them down. If you want to, go for it. Uh, I, I wouldn't be mad about it. I'll say that. I'm not yeah. going to make you do it. Have but you ever been to it. a uh, LDS Temples Visitor Center, Ryan? I did. I just actually visited uh, two weeks ago. I was okay, just in did Utah. Okay, did you see Space Jesus? <laughs> oh, big, no. Big, that was closed huge off. Huge statue. Okay. That was closed well, off. Anyway, we weren't allowed to go. <laughs> I don't think... Now, Mormons aren't a huge percentage of the population in the U.S., but with all these people calling for these like Protestant white Christian statues, not saying you got to take the Mormons out first. But there's a huge, <laughs> ginormous white Jesus statue in a lot of Mormon uh, temples, visitor centers. We call them Space Jesus. Uh, it's, it's just funny to me thinking about this uh, with how white and how large. And he's in space. <laughs> I, uh, space I love Mormons. Don't get I'm me wrong. I'm kind of down for you space Jesus, though. Like, in... he, no, he is. It's because he's like the ruler of the universe. He lives hey. on the, the planet of Kol- Kolbos, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, Kolob. Great. Kolob, Kolob. Um, anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Um, Ryan, let me tell you a little bit about the history of white Jesus, because I'm sure I you, really want you're you to really tell fascinated. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually am. Yeah, church history is one of my favorite subjects. This is important. Well, I don't know if we can call this church in some ways. Well, um, okay, yeah. so in the 16th and 17th centuries, uh, that's kind of where we really see Jesus starting to take on the European look um, as painters started to paint him in their own image, i.e. Michelangelo and his boyfriend. Uh, but you could also see this happening in like Ethiopia and India. So this wasn't just like a uniquely Western thing. Uh, cultures across the, the world have depicted Jesus in their own likeness and image. Um, the difference with those depictions is that in the Western white version of Jesus' depiction, that started to be then carried throughout the rest of the world because of colonization and global trade. So you don't see you African... <laughs> you don't see like African Jesus, Chinese Jesus showing up on different shores because they weren't necessarily bringing that depiction with colonization per se. Um, so, and this kind of happened because artists tried to distance themselves from some like of the Jewish roots of Jesus. This was due to some anti-Semitism in those years, especially if you look at some of Martin Luther's stuff, not that he did white Jesus, <laughs> but you can see some of the anti-Semitism in his own writings, which led to them moving away from a Jewish depiction of Jesus into a white depiction. And so you really see this play out in uh, colonial Latin America uh, called New Spain <laughs> by European colonists, uh, where images of white Jesus uh, kind of reinforced a caste system there, where white Christian Europeans occupied the top tier, while those with darker skin from perceived intermixing with native populations ranked considerably lower. Um, so scholars Edward Plum and Paul Harvey argued that in the centuries kind of after European colonization of the Americas, the image of a white Christ associated him with the logic of empire and could be used to justify the oppression of Native and African Americans. So it, it started out maybe as this innocent, natural, we're painting Jesus and what we look like because Jesus is for everyone. 
but then turned into something way more connected to colonization, uh, global trade, oppression, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, We took Jesus and used him (laughs) as a tool for the expansion of colonization and empire. What? That's what happened? (laughs) No way. Uh, Anyway. Um, so that's kind of where it it's went weird. It's like that down. happened to Constantine. I mean, Constantine. No, no, not him. Um, so anyway, you mentioned this, Ryan, we're kind of in a multiracial, um, but unequal <laughs> America in some ways. Um, and there has been a disproportionate representation of white Jesus in the media. Um, this was actually largely due to, uh, his name is Warner Solomon's head of Christ photo that was widely distributed post-1940s. I, I guarantee if you ask anyone just what their subconscious image of white Jesus is, it's this photo uh, from Warner Solomon. Um, you can go Google it for those of you who are listening. Um, and this was distributed widely uh, in the post-1940s America. Um, so this is kind of the where the white Jesus really took over in the media. Um, I remember my first like real <laughs> interaction with white Jesus was in the movie Super Size Me. Um, I don't what? remember... What it <laughs> for the documentary supersized me? Yeah, I don't remember what it was, but there was a white Jesus depiction there that it was the first time I recognized. Oh, he's really white. That's not what he looked like. I don't know why. Um, so uh, that just is what it is. But I think to summarize the history, because a lot of it was started with you know normal, uh, innocent roots, but then transformed into being alongside colonization and oppression and slavery. So it got mixed in with white supremacy. Um, James Martin, a Jesuit uh, that I follow on Twitter, he says this, images of white Jesus have obviously been used to promote the idea that white is best. And in many representations of Jesus, especially in stained glass, he is not only white, but the purest white, whiter than anyone else. And you can see how that same, even though it might be innocent for some who look at it, that same thinking is used in white supremacy, oppression, and different things like that. Uh, you can't argue uh, against the reality that white Jesus has been alongside uh, white supremacy in different places in America. That's just that's just the reality. Um, so, Ryan, what is how does that sit with you? <laughs> you just learned the history of white Jesus in a just very summarized, broad form. <laughs> yeah, you know how that sits with me is uh, very much the same way as. You know, a lot of things in in the history of of Christianity of uh, in, in more recent years, you know, like North Africans is where the largest ecumenical councils took place. Like so many people, you had Athanasius, who was like uh, the 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 black dwarf. You had Augustine, who honestly, in my mind, is a light skin. Uh, light skin confessions of Augustine. He's is a really what it theological Drake. He really is a theological Drake. <laughs> you know, you get um, various people uh, like Clement of uh, Alexandria and Origen, people, Tertullian people of Berber or North African or mixed African descent, and 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 there's just so much rich history there. And you get, uh, you know, even thinking about Rome and thinking about Greece and and how you were defined by your ethnic nationality not necessarily by your skin tone uh when you look at various busts of of people uh there are so many different ways you'd be like man is that person african are they middle eastern are they white you can't really tell with the are bus they sicilian sometimes. yeah are they sicilian <laughs> and so like to me it's just another attempt to erase real history 
from from real DNA representation and and to muddy the lines between like just the white dominance that is so pervasive in all of modern culture. Uh, I really do think like from 1400s on Western Europe and its domination domination of the world is just still being I don't know this demonically driven reality um, and colorism is found almost everywhere on the planet now uh, and it, it just is disheartening because again um, we just see an erasure of actual thought and and life and diversity uh, that got us to where we even are theologically in many ways just be kind of dismissed for the sake of control and for the sake of um, power. Uh, yeah. I, I know that sounds really CRT in some ways, uh, <laughs> but dude, I, I'm telling you, I, I don't know if we would have had that without Constantine converting or having yeah. uh, uh, the Western and Eastern churches split. If the West and East church didn't split, in 1054, I don't know if we would have had that. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. That's how that sits with me. It just is, like, classic. Like, another yeah. way. It's just another... It's like a precursor to a Confederate flag in some ways, in my mind. Hmm. Um, where you can say, this is only symbolic. Yeah. And this makes it sense for the family. It has some innocent There's some, yeah, but, origins. But the rest of us, like I was saying earlier, can look at that and go, hmm, okay. Just like yeah, I did as it, a kid. Knowing white Jesus wasn't really white, but we say, ah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, Ryan, well, some people might be saying, well, Ryan, there's black Jesus too, huh? Sure, sure. <laughs> so yeah. let me tell you, Ryan, about the history of black Jesus now. Please do. I actually don't know anything about this. High key. In a broad, summarized version. Let's go. Um, so Henry McNeil Turner, a black pastor in the 1800s. Uh, famously stirred up strong reactions. Uh, oh, really? He said that the money. Yeah, who would have thought? Uh, no when way. he said that Black Americans should consider God as a Negro, since every other race ethnicity put God in their own image. So he's basically okay. just like, "Hey, everyone else is doing this. Like, why don't we? Why are we settling for white Jesus? Let's just let's make Black Jesus." Sure. Um, MLK actually even argued uh, for Jesus being black. Okay. Uh, some would you know say that he was he was meaning this was him kind of Jesus identifying with the black people and their struggle with America rather than as an ethnic identity. But MLK specifically argued for black people, black Christians to start perceiving Jesus as black or as having shared black experiences like black Christians in America did. Um, and that's really most of it. I mean, obviously there's, there's some deeper history in Ethiopia um, and other places where, where black Jesus was more prevalent. But in the Americas, it was kind of Henry McNeil Turner in the 1800s. That's kind of the first time we've really seen it. And then MLK even argued for it. And then we've seen pockets here and there. But again, right. mostly as a reactionary to the white Jesus rather than as a genuine, like we really want Jesus in a black statue, but more as a reclaiming of dignity because the dignity was shoved down or degraded. Um, not as like a, just a a neutral playing field, we want a black Jesus. <laughs> it was in reaction and response. Um, and so in terms of like the actual Jesus, um, he probably, I don't know exactly because 2,000 years is a long time, but he probably looked like how Iraqi Jews do. That's kind of most scholars' best estimates where it's kind of brown skin, brown eyes, brown hair with a beard. <laughs> uh, and some would say that he was actually probably around like five foot five. Um, and then with a lean frame due to being uh, a stonesmith, Jesus was not necessarily a carpenter, everyone. Uh, just a little fun fun factoid But what for am I supposed to do with Lee Strobel's pamphlet about more than a car carpenter? Like, what really? am I supposed to do with well, that? Really? Well, 
more than a stonesmith even sounds cooler because uh, mm. <laughs> he worked with stones because he was a tecton and there wasn't uh, carpentry oh, really in his area tecton. which means he's a stonesmith anyway that's that's neither here nor there but there's my education coming out for you uh in one of the one of the areas <laughs> i can use it um anyway recently in the passion of the christ ryan one of the the goriest films of all time um yep. they had in the film i don't know if you know this but mel gibson directed it um which is a lot of question marks there just in general um but they had a white dude obviously playing jesus yeah. and they actually made him wear a prosthetic nose piece as well as change the color of his eyes <laughs> in the film. And I'm, like, I'm just like, okay, so y'all realize like you can't depict him as white. Right. Then just hire a non-white actor then. Hard, <laughs> like you, you, you noticed it, but you're like, nah, let's put this prosthetic nose on um, and change these eyes. Um, so we kind of already talked about it, Ryan, um, in terms of like representation a little bit. I know we've talked about this a little bit with affirmative action and uh, reparations. Um but Ryan, why, why does this all matter in terms of representation? Obviously, it's, white Jesus can be silly, white Jesus can be oppressive, black Jesus can be a reaction, it can be a response. But I think in all of this, the greater question is representation. It's, it's we are seeing God represented like us. We are seeing Jesus represented like us. So it, it allows affinity and, and an ability for you to see potential in yourself um, because you can see him that way. So what, what to you uh, matters in terms of representation uh, whether in church leadership, whether just from the podium or the stage in churches, like how does this all boil down um, in terms of representation? Yeah, I had a student um, tell his mom who told me once, uh, I think you actually were there at this church camp particularly. His name was, uh, um, uh, shoot, is it Kai? It is Caden, uh, Caden Milner. Oh, Caden! Uh, yeah, Caden. Uh, Kate he's was a baller. The dog. Dude, he's sick. He's hopefully he'll come back in our circle one day. Uh, but do you remember he that, got home uh, from that camp, word I had for him that one time? Yeah, Ryan? I do remember that word. <laughs> that was <a> good word. <laughs> Prophetic all day long. Basically, Caden went home after church camp once, and Caden was one of the only black students at our junior high camp. And I took about forty kids um, up to camp a couple years ago, my staff, and uh, he he told his mom like, "Mom, it's so good to have somebody." that looks like me leading um in a not in a non-sports situation uh yeah. like not just a teacher not just like uh somebody that's a coach um not just his dad coaching him but like just another young black male uh trying to follow jesus and and that really impacted him and so i think that story is a way um to to help you understand where it, it's not really like it's a um measurable attainable definable yeah. reality it's more of just it speaks to something in your bones speaks to something in your dna it speaks to something that um uh is needed for all humans to be able to see others and as paul says like you know follow me as i follow jesus i think there's something to seeing uh leaders that look like you uh to help you do that and i don't think that needs to be everybody uh, and i think look like you in quotes could be a lot of things, but in terms of skin skin color, and because there's such a lack of representation for the larger church body, uh, especially in evangelicalism or non-denominational churches, um, and even in multi-ethnic churches, even in multi the majority churches. of staff is still white. Right, and correct. And, and without getting tokenized, it's like, man, uh, that's just really important for your soul, because what it says, ultimately to me, when I think about this question, is, oh, 
this is something I can do as well. Uh, I can do this too. I can lead as well. I can speak as well. I can love people as well. I can work through pain and conflict as well. I can serve as well. Um, without the added expectation of exceptionalism or the added expectation of uh, I need to achieve, uh, it's just, no, this person is here and I can do this too. And, and there's a, um, a burdening lightning from that. And, and that might not make sense to a lot of you listening. If, if you're white of like, well, I don't really get that, Ryan, what does that mean? Anybody can do this, like American exceptionalism, whatever. Uh, but, but it really does almost help you dream and it helps you believe, uh, that man, I can, I can actually step into that space and that's possible. Mm So uh, it, it, it's kind of hard to put into words, but it matters. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And I would say not that it doesn't matter for adults, but it especially matters for children and yeah. who they're seen as yeah. leaders. Because um, that, I mean, as a child, you really start to build the foundation of what you think is possible, what you think your path could be. I know even for mm-hmm. me, maybe this is helpful for white people who may not understand representation mattering. Um, but I can remember as a young kid playing basketball a lot, uh, probably shouldn't have genetically <laughs> was not gifted in those areas in some ways. Um, sure. but I just remember looking up to Steve Nash, uh, on the Phoenix Suns, uh, as a point guard, uh, this one white dude amongst mostly a non-white league who could play the game and was about the height that I was probably going to be and looked kind of like me, I guess. Sure. Uh, he wasn't Sicilian. <laughs> but um, it, it, it showed me as a young kid, okay, okay, there's actually a pathway for me here. Um, if I only saw black dudes in the league, although I would still maybe try, I wouldn't maybe think there's a pathway for me. Mm-hmm. But seeing Steve Nash even allowed me to believe as a child that I could get on this pathway um, and just start this. I, I found out later that the, <laughs> my, my journey ended because <laughs> of some bad ankles and yeah. uh, sub-tier athleticism and, and shorter than normal arms. Um, but it, it's, it helps. Uh, yeah, shorter than – I have a 5'10 wingspan and I'm six foot one, So that's just a – that is a recipe for disaster in basketball. Um, but anyway, that, that kind of – Shows you a little bit of it. Can, you can help as a white person to connect. Um, think of the spaces where there's not representation like you and think, hey, hey, do I actually genuinely believe I could have been in that space or done that thing or been on that journey? Um, and I think you even see this in pop culture recently with like Black Panther, uh, the movie, um, with Crazy Rich Asians. Um, yep. They were huge for young kids. Huge, and, and dude. Just, yeah, I mean, not only for like thinking of like pathway of what you can do, but having heroes in your likeness um, and even understanding like representation with beauty standards um, and different things like that, where it's just not all white supermodels um, yeah. that are the attractive figures. It doesn't have figures. to be straight. You don't have to be white skin and you don't have to have <laughs> a really small nose in order to be pretty. Yeah. Pretty brown true. skin. Oh my gosh. There's a song by Maverick City uh, that they came out with for their Jubilee album, or not Jubilee nice. album, uh, their Juneteenth album that represents jubilee and oh my gosh it is one of the greatest songs i've ever heard in my life uh they just hit wow. all the skin tones That's of all praise. the black girls who've heard you're pretty for a black girl uh in their lives and just just yeah. affirm the heck out of them and i love that for like my mom and for maybe one day my kids uh my daughters that i'll have because i'll be a daughter dad and so <laughs> girl dad girl dad ryan hey. here i am from girl dad to grow dad well, Ryan, to close this episode, is mm. there anything from the Bible 
<laughs> you no. can think speaks to this just issue kidding. at all. Uh, no. Uh. <laughs> uh, dude, I, I just, I just think, um, like biblically, uh, what you see is, um, you know, at, at Antioch, you had this, uh, this assumption of a multi-ethnic, um, conglomeration of churches happening, and and Paul went there. And I think at Antioch, you have this this movement just start um, that reached so many different people, and I think it was so effective, uh, or part in part. Obviously, the Holy Spirit was empowering the ministry, but I think there was so much effectiveness because you had leaders from various places in Africa, various places in in Asia of the time, and various places of the Roman Empire coming together to continue to share the gospel, but but learn from each other. And I think that opened a door to so much more ministry historically that we see in the church. And I think biblically what we have to see is that it's going to be better with more representation than not. I think that's just where God's going because of what we see in Revelation 5 and Revelation 7 with the multitude and the nations, tribes, and tongues being represented. Yeah. Um, so that that's, that's something I can see. I think part of the effectiveness of Antioch and why Paul had better success there was partly because of that so yeah well speaking of revelation ryan uh revelation 1 14 through 15 says jesus's hair was like wool and his feet like bronze um so (laughs) i've had legitimate conversations with some white people uh where i've had to argue with them that there's nowhere in the bible where it says jesus is white and they're like jesus is white and i said well the best you got is that his hair was like wool and his feet was like bronze even though that's a metaphor but still you're wrong (laughs) my parent my mom would quote this all the time all yeah. the time still does and so yeah. that's probably why i didn't get fooled by the white jesus because i'm like dude wool i care that's me in my mind i was like oh that's me feet like bronze i'm like oh i'm brown like yeah easy so yeah yeah well and then in acts Acts six uh this is right before i think this is right before stephen is stoned um mm-hmm. where basically the apostles appoint leaders to care for the hellenistic jews since yeah. the hebraic jews were neglecting them Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at like actually the language in this, I can't make a definitive case, but if you look at who they appoint in Acts six, mm-hmm. um, when these uh, Hebraic Jew or Hellenistic Jews were bringing this complaint against um, Hebraic Jews, most of the names are Hellenistic names that they appoint. So Absolutely. there's a complaint by this group of people against this other group of people, majority culture, minority culture, whatever you want to call it. Classic. And the apostles appointed leaders within the afflicted group to make sure that the needs were met of that group, mm-hmm. um, which is representation. I mean, you even see this with, like, speaking of Paul, like, as he goes out through his ministry, he uses his Jewish and Roman representation at different times for different purposes, right. um, whether he uses his Roman citizenship or his Jewish identity. Yep. Um, there's even a case to be made that he switches between Paul and Saul and Acts, depending on which context he's speaking to. Makes sense. In terms of, because one's a Jewish name and one's uh, a Roman name. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It's just kind of not directly in the Bible everywhere, um, but clearly you can see uh, how easy it flows from the gospel and the hope of racial reconciliation, where then leadership and representation matters. It, it, it's a, just a clear line. How we do that, I don't know. How does that look like affirmative action? You can take that however you want, uh, but definitively speaking, representation matters. Uh, and, it does. And churches, I think, can figure out what's the best way to do that. Um, and I hope they bring along other kinds of leaders also to help figure that out. <laughs> so. Amen. 
All right, Ryan. Well, that's it for us. Um, for those of you who are interested, I'm going to link an article in the show notes uh, that shows you uh, the different depictions of Jesus throughout the history. <laughs> so if you want to get more history about white, black, Jesus, whatever, uh, you can check that out. But for the rest of y'all, we'll uh, see you next time. Thank you.